Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome. I am really uh, thrilled to be able to introduce a, a someone who's been a longtime friend and colleague. You know, I think when I work in this field, having worked in it for a long time, um, so many people that I respect who become really wonderful experts are friends of mine, and this man certainly is. Um, I want to introduce Mark Anthony Lord. Mark is a reverend in Chicago. He has its own flock and following. He is a, a spiritual pastor, a spiritual counselor online, spiritual coach might be a good way of putting it. And Mark and I have had a lot of opportunities to work together in the addictions. Um, Mark has taught at some of my uh, programs and worked a lot with my clients to redeem and find peace with spirituality around addiction. And uh, Mark, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here, Rob. You are, uh, I've watched you become a spiritual expert as I have become a sex expert, which means we know not that much because probably there's more about spirituality and sex than we know. But for this audience, we're reasonably experts. So, um, Mark, you know addicts. You work with them. You understand them. You've worked in the addiction community. You've taught. I think dealing with spirituality is one of the hardest challenges that addicts tend to have. It's something that they face on every level, whether it is looking at what they did in their addiction and dealing with with their own personal morality and beliefs about who they should be versus what they did. And then for others, it's more of a challenge of, wait a minute, if I get into this healing process, do I have to start believing in God or do I have to start believing in spirituality because that's not my thing? Or these are the kinds of things that I hear around uh, sex addiction. I, I also hear a lot from spouses, which is, you know, I believed in this man or I believed in this woman. I thought they would, they had faith. I thought that, you know, we prayed together, we worked together, we did everything together. And then I find out I'm living with an entirely different person that I don't even know, which means how solid could their faith even be if they're lying to me? So, so many questions around sex and love addiction when it comes to spirituality. Uh, Mark, start. <laughs> Where, like, what strikes you in all of that? Because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. You know, I, I do love working with addicts specifically in the area of spirituality. Um, you know, 12 steps is a spiritual program. I believe that addiction is a spiritual disease, which at the heart of it, you know, taking God out and all of the deities and all of that religion stuff out of it. To me, when I say it's a spiritual disease, it simply means I am disconnected 
from my own spirit, my spirit of creativity, my spirit of love, my spirit of joy, my spirit of generosity. We all have a natural spirit inside of us. Some like to think about it in relationship to God. Some like to be religious about it. A lot of people don't. And what I love about the recovery world is they don't tell anyone what they have to believe in. Higher power is a common term that we all are familiar with that we use. And to me, that all points to getting reconnected to our own personal spirit. I think that addictions, they kill us at the level of spirit first. They drain our ability to be creative. They drain our ability to connect. They make us depressed. They stomp all over our zeal for life until we're just empty souls walking around. And that's the most dangerous place to be. You know, Mark, it's really interesting that you talk about integration or losing your contact with spirituality, because a lot of what I talk about when I talk about sex addiction is disconnection, you know, and and that sense that addicts uh, in general, sex addicts in particular, you know, will compartmentalize, will put a certain part of our life, our sex life, our affair or whatever we're doing, we put it in a box and no one knows about it except us. And it's our own little secret thing that we keep for ourselves, our addiction. And I would imagine in your terms, maybe that's a place where someone is keeping God out. Yeah. It's, it's a place where they're, the way I would say it is, it's a place where you're going it alone. It's a place where you're really um, me against the world or yeah, it's just disconnected. And that's definitely got out of the equation for sure. And this is helpful because integration, you know, I talk a lot about it on the podcast, write a lot about it, that, that really I think the goal, you know, people ask me, what is your goal of long-term recovery, a long-term healing from addiction? And it isn't necessarily that the person has perfect recovery or becomes the perfect husband or the most loving whatever. It's more that in my mind, the goal of recovery is to have that integrity Mm-hmm. That there isn't anything that I do that is shameful and secretive that I'm hiding, that I'm living in a double life or a double world. And you've just opened me up to the possibility that we also isolate and cut ourselves off from our spirituality when we go off with that little piece of our addiction. And that never occurred to me before. Yeah. And we also, you know, our honesty is the doorway to our freedom, but that is so scary for I think especially sex and love addicts because the overlay of shame, because that, you know, it's such a secretive, you know, thing for, for many people that, that suffer from that illness. And so add that shame, add that unworthiness, add that cycle of just keep, you know, recreating that pain body and the idea of connecting to a higher power, to something that loves us or to something that could help us. It seems so far away. And I really do think what sits at the heart of this is a deep, deep deep-seated sense of unworthiness. Well, and I I agree. Well, in worthiness that I could ever be worthy of love and and mistrust that anyone would ever really love me if they knew me fully. You know, I think addicts definitely compartmentalize in part because we don't want you know, we feel like if, if you really knew, you know, if you knew what I was really doing, you wouldn't love me. I mean, it's our excuse to be unlovable. Our own addiction mm-hmm. becomes the way that we can prove to the world that we are not worthy of love and, and maybe we're not worthy of spirituality either. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I believe what I do and I love doing, it's so important because if I can help people get connected to the God of their understanding or higher power and begin to develop 
a sense of feeling loved, feeling worthy, even if there's just an internal dialogue of being able to go to that spirit within and telling your truth and allowing some kind of spiritual healing to begin there, when that connection gets established, I think from there, the connection outward to other people can begin to get healthier. So that, that kind of leads me to one of the, the two, an H question, which is a how question. And I'm going to ask it in two different ways. And you can, you know, pick what you like. One of my thoughts is I have people that I work with and who are listening who have no sense of spirituality. They're not really interested. You know, they, they may be agnostic or they're atheist, or at least they've never really practiced any form of religion. And they've never really seen the need for it, need for it in their lives. Um, and they're active addicts or they're in re- early recovery. How do you work with them? And this will be a two-part question, I promise, because I'm going to ask about the religious people who feel that they have no longer worthy of God. But for those who've never entered this realm, how would you tell them to begin to dip a toe in the water without overwhelming themselves or feeling silly or uncomfortable? Well, I, I love doing processes and exercises with people to help them get there, but just, just to um, make it simple and more concise for our purposes here, it's the baby steps of realizing that we are connected to something, even if it's what what do you love and enjoy? Do you love nature? Do you love trees? Do you love the sunset? Like all around each one of us, there's life and life is connected. So if we can begin to notice the connections of life around us, be it in nature, be it in people, be it in the universe, whatever, but if you can begin to see these connections and then find the connections inside of you, anything that you love or enjoy is a connection. Okay, wait, because as an addict, I would say I loved my addiction. Okay, Anything that you love that is life affirming. <laughs> okay, thank you. I, this is not a trick. I know. I just, no, no, that's good. <laughs> you just said anything you love. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, I loved addiction. When it worked, it really worked. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me say anything that you love and enjoy that is constructive, that is life giving. Because I do think, you know, we can love our addictions, but they are not life giving ultimately. So let's look at it that way. Whatever is life affirming, whatever multiplies life around, whatever word you want to use, but to look for those connections that don't have after them some kind of repercussions or shame or fallout. Okay. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the complete spiritual idiot here and say, so let's discover, let's say, I, you know, I live near the ocean. So let's say I found a lot of peace walking along the beach. I love picking up shells. I like watching the sunset. I feel really connected when I'm smelling the salt air and I'm just having some time to myself walking along or biking along the beach. How do I turn that into, or even consider that or reflect on that in some way beyond just what it is? How do you make that spiritual or how do you perceive that as spiritual? Well, I think it's a first step. I perceive it as spiritual because simply I'm making this very basic. Being spiritual means being connected, being connected to life. Being if you're if the ocean, if you if that moves you and you feel connected, you're connected to something greater than yourself. So that's the first thing. I'm just looking to establish that. Then we've got to make the move to how do we move that kind of connectivity to ourselves so that we have an inner dialogue that's getting more honest. And ultimately, I believe that all the real spiritual experience and recovery happens between the people in the program, our brothers and sisters. That's where the real healing connection needs to ultimately land. So it's just very interesting, Mark, because in a way, I feel like you're like a therapist for spirituality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, because what my job is, is to help people connect to themselves and then to others. 
because addicts are isolated. They think they're connecting when they're using or acting out sexually, but they're not. That's a an objectified connection. That's a transactional relationship. It has no give and take to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm teaching people how to connect to, like you said, maybe my my other friend who's in recovery or learn how to reconnect to my spouse or show up for my kids or and begin to take joy in the basic human connections that lie all around us because that is where happiness happens. But it feels like you're working at the opposite end. How can I begin to help people connect inside and internally into a, a higher space inside of themselves? Well, and I actually think that you and I are very similar because I think we do both do spiritual work. <laughs> I think your work is, I think therapist work is extremely spiritual. It's just not called that, you know, mm. so it's the same thing. But to connect internally has to begin in, for many, it's getting a, creating a healing experience with all of the junk and the brokenness that they acquired over their very often childhood years around God or around maybe religion really messed them up. Or, you know, we've all had some really, not all, a good number of us have had some painful experiences in religion from religious leaders. And so we have to go in and realize that that's not, this ain't that. <laughs> it seems to me, and I've, I've hung out in a fair number of churches, especially more conservative ones where there seemed to be a greater need for sex and porn addiction help. And I've noticed that in, it seems like the more conservative a religion is, the less open they seem to be to the the poor, the hungry, the, the, the prostitute, the addict. It feels to me in many ways in America, and I'm being, I guess, judgmental, that going to church is almost like an elite, like you have to be good enough to be there. Right. And then once you're there, you can't show that you make mistakes or have problems because everyone would look at you funny. And I thought that the, that the church was the opposite. It's for all the vulnerable, challenged, you know, troubled people to go to to find peace and solace, not for folks to kind of show up for and say, look how good I'm doing. And I'm not trying to dismiss any particular religion or organization. That's not my point. It's just that I know a lot of spiritual leaders who are not, don't seem to be invitational to people in pain. And I don't really understand that. And maybe you could help. Well, it is it is the brokenness of our religion. No, you're absolutely right. You're not being judgmental. You're being very factual about what happens and why it doesn't work for most people. And I absolutely agree with you, but we as addicts can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because it's broken in religion doesn't mean at the core of our being that there's not a spirit. Yes, humanity got a hold of it, got a hold of power, abused it, became disconnected, turned it into religions and big, huge symbols and churches and all of, you know, there are some good ones out there, but I mm-hmm. totally agree with you that that is part of the problem for sure. You know, I'm going to tell you something I don't think I've ever said, Rob. When I worked for you at SRI way back when, we would have some priests or some religious leaders come through. And I think in my time there, I maybe worked with, I know a handful or a little more. And I was so interested in talking with them and meeting them. And they, I never met more spiritually bankrupt religious leaders in my life. I mean, they were hurting really, really bad, and they were the leaders of people. <laughs> Say more about, I mean, why Why do you think they experienced, because they felt like uh, hypocrites? Is that the source of their pain? Or Because they were spiritually empty. They were disconnected from their God. They were playing a role. They were keeping up the image of being the priest, you know, being that which the people needed them to be. They were trying to live themselves up on the pedestal when they were so hurting and they were so, their, their spirit was 
broken and they didn't speak up, didn't speak up. Maybe they spoke up and the, their people, the powers that be didn't help them. But by the time they landed where we were helping people, they were hurting big time and they were just empty on the inside. That's, that's just what it, it was painful. It was sad. You know, um, market, and I, I, I think it's worth saying that, you know, I've had enough rabbis in treatment for a minion. I worked for the Jesuit uh, order for a while. I, I've been involved in the Mormon faith. I've worked for the military. There aren't many ar arenas in which place these sex addiction doesn't show up or mm -hmm. porn problems or all of that. I think that you can be deeply spiritual and have strong beliefs about how you want to live your life and then still struggle with addiction that leads you off that path. And that kind of leads me to my other question, which is how do you teach people who already feel that they've been connected to God or, or had a spiritual meaning in their life, but they feel like they trashed it. And after what they did to their spouse or after they ignored their kids or gave someone a disease or lost this job or ended up in the news, how could they, how could God ever love them again? Or how could they ever reconnect to the spirituality that they feel that they trashed? That's a different bunch of people, but with similar problem of disconnection. Yeah. Well, that, I'm going to go to the heart of that one, that what's inside me and tell me if it, I'm not making sense. But, you know, for a lot of people, even those who have God, they fear their God at the same time they love their God. Their God is like a punishing, scary parent, or they're living in a world of duality where they still think they have to deserve God's love or be a different kind of person for God's love. So their relationship with God, even though it's in religion, even though it's serving their heart and their family in some particular way, it's still broken in some way. So they have to be maybe even more courageous, Rob. They have to be courageous enough to look at their relationship with their God and their religion and see where it got broken and find that broken relationship in them. And that's where the healing has to take place. Because I know God as perfect, unconditional love, period. There's nothing you can do, say, right, that would ever, ever, ever change that. And that's the kind of experience we must get in touch with so that we can begin healing and getting honest. You're making me smile, Mark, because I'm, I'm thinking about how many folks say, you know, I've ruined my relationship with my spouse, my wife, whatever, and I, I don't deserve her love anymore, his. Uh, I've, I've ruined my work situation. I hit on people at work. I was looking at porn. You know, no one believes me anymore. No one believes in me anymore. And certainly the relationship I've hurt the most is the one with myself and God. And so if I don't feel like I'm deserving of my spouse's love or to be reunited with my community because I hate what I've done and how I've lived. I hate all those people I had sex with. I hate all of that cheating and lying and I'm looking back. How can I ever believe that God would want to have a relationship with me if I don't feel like I deserve it? Well, and that's the that's what keeps the whole addiction rolling. That's what keeps the whole separation thing happening. That's the very thing that you just described beautifully is what needs to be flipped over. And that's just simply not true. And it's a racket that people play on themselves upon God. And really all it does is keep the addiction rolling. So, you know, the greatest, everything can be redeemed. We've seen it in our culture. And mm -hmm. in the 12-step program, when people get recovery, when they get related to their higher power, whatever that means to them, and they start returning to a sense of well wellness and, and creativity and contribution to their relationships, I've seen miracles happen on the field all the time. Hey there, I sure hope you're enjoying this sex, love and addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, seeking integrity can help. 
For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. So, Mark, I, you know, when we talk about spirituality and sex, those two words don't really go together very well in our culture. I think of intimacy or loving connection or, you know, I, I think of every word in the world when I think of God or spirituality, except maybe the word sex. How do you put those two words in a good sentence together um, <laughs> yourself? How do you how do you do that? How do we how do we do that? Yeah, well, maybe for me, that's been one of my greatest healings, if you will, is that God and sex are not separate for me. And all the beautiful parts of sexuality and the wildness and that, like, like there's so much power in sexual energy and there's so much power in God. And I actually think they're closer than separate for sure, if not even the, the same thing. It's just such a, you know, again, that's where religion and our puritanical culture just scrubbed out and tried to separate two amazing powers, your spiritual power, your sexual power. They actually, I think, are the same. I really believe that. And I think that's why a lot of religious leaders are sex addicts. (laughs) What do you mean they're the same? I mean, how do you mean? I mean, I think that would be shocking, hypocritical, incredibly insulting to some people who of faith who feel like, how can you say that sexual energy and spiritual energy have anything to do with each other? Even the chakra people <laughs> would say that one is way down and one is way up in your body. They're coming from completely different places. So, and I want to believe you, <laughs> but I want to speak up for all those people who say, no, I don't, you know, sex can be, sex is kind of dirty. You know, it's, it's, it's got to be like this. And if it isn't like this, it's bad and wrong. And look what the Bible says. And, you know, now you're going to tell me that sex and spirituality are somehow aligned. I, I don't get that. Well, I guess I would flip it the other way and say, I don't know how, I mean, it might be too aggressive, but with you, Rob, I'll say it to you, like, how can you call yourself a spiritual God-loving person and separate the two? They're both so beautiful. They're both so creative. They're both so present moment delicious. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand how they could be separate in my world. Well, it's interesting now, but here, so maybe here's the deal. In, in a sex addict, um, they are separate. Yes. Sex and spirituality are so there is no relationship when I am objectifying and using another person for sex and letting them use me. There's no room for God in that. There's no room for spirit in that. It's a transactional exchange. It's like buying a candy bar. I mean, I it's not that I don't wish the person well and I'm sure they have their God and I have mine, but that kind of sex doesn't feel like God to me. So is it only certain kinds of sex that are spiritual and other kinds aren't? Um, I'm going to ask you the tough questions, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I don't think any any expression of sex is simply that. It's just expression. It's who we are in relationship to it that makes it disconnected or connected. And I really believe that, Rob. I don't think it's what we do. And, you know, I don't care how far off the scale you are, not not scale, that's even the right word. If you're into SM, if you're into whatever, I don't care. If you're in a connected, joyous experience, you're going to experience connection during it and enjoyment during it. If you go into an experience disconnected and fragmented, that's how you're going to come out of it. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with the activity. It has to do 100% with you and how you're going into it. So I think you're saying, I think I'm making this up as I listen, that 
my spirituality, for whatever that means, is with me in the worst of circumstances and the best. I get to choose which ones I go into, but my spirituality is going to go with me into either of those situations. It's just how much I can connect to my higher self in certain circumstances versus others. Some are going to leave me much less connected than others, but I am never alone. Well, that 100%, 100%. And that's what makes the, the religious people that have all their rules to follow, that's what makes them mad. But to me, that the heroin addict in the back alley dying right now with the needle in their arm, they're not any more disconnected to their higher power than the person who is, you know, saving 100 kids right now. Like it's, we're all connected to a beautiful life force. You cannot get away from it. You can't make it different. You can you can definitely not feel connected to it. And it can come become just a small little glimmer inside of you because you feel so far from it. But every person has that, I'll use the word light, inside of them. It's just who we are. So you're making me start to believe, Mark, and I'm only doing a podcast here, but I will say this to you, you know, and I want to say the basis of some of my disbelieving, and then I, I want to I want to make sure we talk a little bit about partners and spouses, because I think that's important. But let me just say really quickly that, it, you know, as a therapist, right, as a psychotherapist, my thought has always been kind of like this, you know, if I didn't grow up with particularly reliable or responsible parents, it's just, you know, I had a mentally ill parent and another parent who was absent and crazy is crazy. You know, my mom was in the hospital half the time. So part of my experience of growing up, part of all of our experience of growing up is re learning to rely on someone else. You know, one of the earliest experiences that we learn is that we can rely on others and they will be there for us and that our interactions will, with them will be, you know, like I reach out my arms and I get picked up. I cry and someone comforts me. You know, the most basic things about being an infant or a young child, that interaction between child and parent, if it's fairly seamless, if it's fairly effective, if it's fairly honored, then it's easy for me to think, okay, well, I could trust in those people as a kid. So I can trust in this larger concept that I'm being taken care of or looked out after or have a connection with something bigger. But if I never learned to trust my caregivers, if I've always been suspicious and fearful of connection, if I feel like going it on my own, I'm much safer. For that person, it is a lot harder to even begin to understand a connection that involves trusting and letting go and surrender, because as a child, trusting, letting go and surrender meant abandonment or pain or being used or, you know, all of those things. Is that making sense? It does, but that's exactly why I think we need a spiritual healing, because I actually believe those of us who did grow up in a broken home or where we didn't feel loved or we weren't loved, that really has broken our ability to look to the world for our safety, our security, our support, our love. And that very person has maybe and perhaps an even greater opportunity to develop a living relationship with their higher power because that i don't believe we actually ultimately ever source those things out there in the world we only source them inside ourselves from our spirit connection and then we share it with the world i think that's the evolution of our spirituality mm -hmm. is to realize that people will fail the world will change that thing will burn down and disappear nothing of this world will be our source so what is our source that's inside of us. And that's the relationship that won't fail us, that will heal us, and that will make it work. I heard a great saying, most people try to trust people and love God. It's the opposite. Trust God and learn how to love people. Wow. Can you say that again? Yeah. Most, most people walk around trying to trust people and love God, and that's wrong. You can only trust God and learn how to love people. 
Which is part of loving yourself. Yeah, because people will, that's part of our problem. We put people at such high expectations. Mm -hmm. They must meet our needs. They cannot disappoint us. Oh, by the way, I'm going to disappoint you. All this craziness. (laughs) Like if we just get connected to our spirit and that creates healing, I absolutely will disappoint people, Rob. I will come up short and people will do that to me. But I no longer need to make that wrong. I no longer, I can actually use that to make my relationships deeper and stronger, not breaking points where I just keep pushing people away and becoming more isolated. But when we talk about letting people down and maybe even causing spiritual harm, I can think of no uh, no one that represents that better in terms of sex addiction than a, than a, a wife or a spouse, especially someone who's walked into a relationship thinking, yeah, our vows are meaningful. You know, they they don't cheat or steal in their lives, so they're probably not going to cheat or steal with me. Or, you know, the person looks at their partner and says, well, one thing I know that they would never deliberately go out and hurt me. I mean, they'd never do anything they know would hurt me. And yet sex addicts do that without thinking. Um, they hurt their partners, they break their vows, they lie, they cheat, they manipulate, they seduce, and all that horrible stuff that is part of the addiction. What do you say to a spouse who had faith in, let's say, in her marriage? How does she find faith in the healing process, which is, by the way, I have to say, not so secure? Because you know, when you are in a committed relationship with someone that you trust, you kind of believe that they are who they are and things are going as they're going. And But once you've been in a committed relationship with someone who's been lying and cheating and and hurting you behind your back, you won't ever be able to look at them in the same way. So how do you, how do you justify or manage, or I don't even know what the word, how do people find comfort in their spirituality when they've been so betrayed by often a ceremony that took place within that spirituality, which is their marriage? Well, and I, that's a big question for me because I would start with the vows themselves because Mm -hmm. it's such a crazy old thing to set, we set each other up. Again, the whole game of, I'm going to be perfect for you. You're going to be perfect for me. La, 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 la. Well, that's not reality. And how do you do it? When you see your marriage breaking down, welcome to your vows. Welcome mm-hmm. to the very moment that you're in this for. Come on. That, that's what marriages, I think, on the spiritual level are for, to see each other in our brokenness and still learn how to love, to see each other in our wholeness, to absolutely have our hearts broken and find out how to stay and grow and rebuild on a real foundation. Now, obviously, Rob, every person's got to make their own choice. And maybe one person's self-loving act is to leave the marriage. And that's what they need to do. I mean, they married someone that's foundation is broken. That doesn't mean love isn't there. That doesn't mean that they don't share authentic realness in their marriage. They do. Mm-hmm. They just have an addict that has got a, a disease. Mm-hmm. And I wish people would think of it more that way. I know it causes more harm to them, so it's hard. But if you and I were married, Rob, and you told me you were a diabetic, I'm not going to leave you because you suddenly are a diabetic. But but if I'm diabetic, I'm not doing things, you know, my being diabetic is not an act that is conscious to me and not an act that I know if I do it, you know, if I, I well, I mean, if I don't take my diabetes medicine and I get sick, then I'm not taking care of myself and my family and therefore you. But being a diabetic is not necessarily something that's going to hurt my partner, but having an affair or sleeping with 25 sex workers or getting on a hookup app three days a week, that is going to hurt my partner. And yeah. and I know it when I'm doing it. And that is, of course, the conundrum of addiction is the knowledge of what you're doing and yet the powerlessness over stopping. That's the point. 
Yeah, the powerlessness. And that's what we need to, that's what everyone needs to. And again, every spouse, partner, lover needs to make a decision for themselves. But this is a powerlessness issue that we're talking about because you know, Rob, that person who's in the, you know, I was going to say bookstore, but that's 1990s, <laughs> you know, whatever they're on the chat or they're doing that, that partner who is doing this on some level is experiencing that high, but is also experiencing deep pain. So it is the hardest thing that couples can move through. I agree. But all I would say to the couple is, this is your relationship. This is where you are. This is yours to heal. Mark Anthony Lord, reverend, spiritual coach, um, amazing person, author, friend. Folks, I want to let you know how to find Mark if you want to do a workshop with him or you want to write him or talk to him. In not too distant future, Mark is going to be doing some spiritual coaching on sex and relationship healing. But I also want you to be able to reach Mark directly. Mark, can you tell us how people can find you? Yeah, you can find me by simply send uh, Mark at MarkAnthonyLord.me. I like that's like your name and you. <laughs> That's right. great. So just write Mark. And what if they want to see a little bit about your church or your work? Or is there a website they can go to? Yeah, that's called cityside.church. Cityside, one word, C-I-T-Y-S-I-D-E dot church. And I know, Mark, you do you do national and international spiritual counseling and coaching uh, with people online and on the phone, and you're well, always available to help. And, and folks, I would really encourage outreach to someone like Mark before you walk away from a relationship, before you move on from that family, before you make that major change in your life, there may be a part of yourself you haven't considered, and that is your spiritual self. And Mark can help you focus on that because now that's all he's got my head buzzing. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your being here. And I hope you'll be willing to uh, come back and do some more shows in the near future because your word is very valuable. Absolutely. Thank you, Rob. This was a good time. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.